Welcome to the Simple Programmer Podcast. Making complex programming simple and fast. With everything from career advice to philosophy, John Summers will show you everything you need. It's the Simple Programmer Podcast. Welcome to the Simple Programmer Podcast. A short mix of career advice, philosophy, and soft skills from successful author and software developer, John Sonmez. Hey everyone, welcome back to Simple Programmer, YouTube, podcast, whatever, whatever medium you're listening on. I've got a, I've got, this is actually a totally new format. Well, it's sort of an interview, but we're really just going to have a discussion here. Uh, I've been getting a lot of requests uh, about quitting, uh, not, not necessarily quitting your job, but going from developer to entrepreneur or developer to business owner. So I've got Marcus here. Marcus has, uh, I've done an interview with him before about, about how he left his job. But we're just really going to talk about uh, a lot of the mindset today that, that is required to do this because 90% of it is mindset. And, uh, and we're just going to have a conversation and, uh, and see if we can, we can help you out. If you're thinking about you know, going from developer to entrepreneur, or developer to business owner, uh, hopefully this conversation will will help you. So, uh, so uh, well, welcome, Marcus. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> Good. How's the entrepreneurial life treating you these days? You know, it's kind of funny. You know, I I just posted this tragic post this Monday uh, about how I was going to step away from Simple Programmer for a while, and and I sort of am. I'm not doing blog posts for a while, but I was just feeling burnt out and just mm-hmm. I didn't want to do this anymore. And uh, and I'm feeling great this week. I think um, taking the pressure off, amazingly, just like I got this super energy burst, and I started doing all this kind of stuff. And so um, so now I think I'm operating in a totally different mode, where I was operating like a machine before. Now I'm like I'm doing stuff because uh, I want to do it, uh, and 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 letting uh, let, letting my uh, my heart guide me a little bit more than than I did you know, in the, in the startup phase when you have to like work so hard to get things going. It sounds like it almost became a job. Oh my gosh. But like a job you had to work, right? Exactly. Yeah, it it totally did. Totally. And and I know when I had my company, like when I was first an entrepreneur, I walked around like, Oh, I'm working in a coffee shop. I don't have a job. I'm an entrepreneur. Fast forward about three years. I was like, I have a job. It's, and I hate my boss because he's me. And like, you can really do that to yourself. Can't you? Oh yeah, yeah, I totally did because I'm a person who creates rules for myself, right? Mm-hmm. And I created so many strict rules. I had you know my schedule printed out. Like I have to do this thing, and I think you have to do that when you first start out, right? Yeah, be- be- because you got it. Like it takes a lot of hard work to push the ball up the hill, but at some point you right. have to realize when the ball is up the hill. Like you can't. You, you're pushing down super fast while it's rolling down. Doesn't. It, it, it only it only makes you tired it makes you trip over your own feet so. ah, that's a great analogy the ball okay so but let's 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 talk about when you left your job because I kind of talked a little bit about my story I know nothing what what kind of work did you do when you worked for someone else uh, so I mean I, I've mostly been a, like a, a software developer mm-hmm. working on different technologies a lot in the c-sharp asp.net space. So I was, I was recently working for a company where the developers worked from home. That was my last official job. Okay. And uh, so our whole team was remote, but I did web development and some mobile development for them. 
So yeah. And did you, I'm just curious, did you do anything on the side? Like, did you have the entrepreneur mindset at that time? Or were you like, this is my job. I come in every day. I do my job. I want to do a good job. I want to get a promotion, like sort of the typical thing that maybe your audience is, is thinking about. So I, I had a few false starts, right? So earlier in my career, I had basically tried to go into business for myself. Like I, I was wanted to do that, but I didn't know how. Uh, you know, for at one point I thought bidding on contracts. That's how you, you know, right? I could, as a government contract, and I had no idea. Never actually did anything with that. Then I had this crazy idea. I wanted a shortcut and join my friend in in his business, and you know, kind of ride that and. I wasn't in, I didn't have the right mindset. I wasn't ready to work and that didn't work. I was just looking for a shortcut. I tried to do gumball machines and all kinds of like, I, I did all these things, you know, but, um, but, but probably like about maybe two or three years before I quit my job, that's about when I started simple programmer, the blog, it just as a blog. Mm -hmm. And I started doing like one of the key turning points for me was I, I created an, uh, an Android and iOS app uh, to, to help, people run faster, right? To, to be able to set their pace. Ah, like and physically running. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I completed it. See, I, I was the kind of person who didn't complete projects, right? I have this, you know, all these things I would start up, come up with these ideas. And that was my first, like, I did this, I completed it. And that was the key. Cause that's what I became what I call as a finisher. I did like a, a, a blog post about this concept, but essentially, uh, you know, I, my mindset shifted to becoming a finisher. And so that you did this while you were still employed, right? Right. I was still employed. And I didn't think I was going to quit my job from making an iOS or, or Android app. I thought maybe I could make 10 or 15 or 20 of these. You know, maybe I could do this as a full-time thing. And I was still doing my blog on the side. And then, uh, and then I started doing some Pluralsight courses. And I you know, signed up for my first Pluralsight course and finished it and finish the next one. And so getting that, so I was doing that on the side and, and I mean, for a long time, I mean, I, I went into this work mode where it's like for two years, I think I was doing Pluralsight courses and I was basically working like 70, 80 hours a week, working my full-time regular job. I'd come home. My schedule was like, you know, I'd go to the gym in the morning and then I'd come home from, or finish my full-time work. I'd, I'd eat dinner with the family, spend a couple hours a night, playing with my daughter and hanging out. And then about 7 PM or 8 PM, I'd be working on creating Pluralsight courses until like midnight or one every single night. And then on weekends, just pretty much working all day. And I did this for like two years <laughs> to buy yeah. my freedom, you know, essentially I, I can't even imagine doing it again, but, but that was uh, eventually I got to the point where I was able to, you know, make the jump. I, I'm I'm super conservative, so I could have made the jump earlier. But you know, I, I needed I waited until my like my my side income was was you know triple my my regular income. Well, and it sounds like at some point you even when you started doing the Android thing, and this is what I found was you started getting this mindset that you like the job you had now was not going to be the place you were probably going to work forever, and yes. and you started looking beyond that. And you weren't sure what was out there. So the Android app was like, uh, hey, maybe this will work out. Maybe I'll even finish it. 
for me, it was doing some service work on the side. Like I started, uh, I picked up a, a job building a website for a local hair dressing company. I mean, it was really like, you know, 15 bucks for a whole website, right? Like it was pretty high tech, but it like those sorts of things made me start thinking like, maybe I won't retire from here. Maybe I need to think a little more broadly. And, uh, it sounds like you did the same thing. And once you saw that you could do it, it kind of gave you this spark, this light at the end of the tunnel. But at least for me, I always thought I was going to be at the company I was at for a very long time. So I never looked beyond that. I always just stayed in the moment. Like I have to invest myself here. I want to get promoted. I don't want to piss anybody off. Right. I want to suck up to the bosses and I'm just all about doing everything I can for right here. Yeah, that's key. I think that's a good point. You know, I think one of the things, and this is, I always tell developers like, stop working more than 40 hour weeks for someone else. Oh like, yes, absolutely. Just 40. Because I did it. Cause I was like, you know, I remember working for HP at one point. I was like, Oh, I'm going to be an HP person and I'm going to climb up the ladder and I'm busting my butt yep. staying till midnight, one in the morning working. Yep. Things. No one even cared. Like no one cared, right? <laughs> you were salary. And they just, in fact, what I found yeah. is like the more you did that, the more maybe my boss would be like, I mean, he was a great guy, but he'd be, he'd be like, well, I clearly don't have to worry about Marcus leaving right. because he's so scared. He comes in every Saturday, even yeah. though really no deadlines, right? He's here exactly. just humping it all the time, you know? And it comes from a good place. Like, I don't want to knock people because there's a lot of developers that are listening to this. They're like, oh, I do that. And yeah. I understand you're a good person. You're a hard worker. Right. You, you have good ethics, work ethic. Yeah. That's why you do it. You're just misdirecting your energies because you're, you know, I, I was used to the catchphrase, you're making someone else rich, you're building someone else's empire. You know, that's essentially what you're doing. Like you need to have the same work ethic. Just make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you, you, you work your 40 hours for your employer and then you change this mindset and, and then you work that extra 10 or 20 hours you're going to work for yourself. Do That's so. right. You, know, you might not even see, it might be far off, but, but man, that builds up that extra 10 or 20 hours you start working for yourself every week in a couple of years you're going to build something substantial. That's the way the ticket to freedom is. Is and You're absolutely right. It starts with that mindset. Well, and e, I was even getting paid overtime at times. And so that was my excuse was like, oh, well, I'm not working for free. I'm getting overtime. But the reality is, is I wasn't, I was valuing the money way more than the time. Yes. And I was, I had a totally wrong person. I, I think you're exactly right. Like I hear this excuse all the time of like, well, you did it, but... I don't have time. I don't have time. I buy a class and I never take it. I buy a book and I never read it. I just don't have time to do it. You must have a lot more time than I do. And it's like, that's total crap. I have 24 right. hours every day. You have 24 hours and people are working a lot more than they, than they need to for good reason, but for a misdirected reason, I think. Don't you think if somebody's actually interested enough to have listened this far into our discussion, they must want to leave their job and do something different at some point in their life. I, I think so. I, I was surprised to find out how many, like when I, I did a poll to my audience and it was like entrepreneurship was number one. And I was like, really? I thought that most people want to know how to advance in their careers. And, and I think everyone has that secret dream of someday working for themselves. And a lot of people believe that they can't do it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that, I think that's, that's, that's the key. And, and, the, the, and like you said, the big excuse is that they don't have enough time. And, 
it, it's funny. I, I um, actually found this statistic, and I, I, I wrote a whole chapter in, in my book and soft skills about it. But this idea that uh, it, it's it's that the average like American watches uh, forty hours of television a week. No, forty hours. Yeah. So. Now I realize not everyone does, but even if you're only half of that, right? And hey, and and sports count, you know, because right, <laughs> watching professional sports. So like, uh, that's a okay. If you if that's a lot of hours. Like if you just, I don't watch any TV. Like I'll be honest, and I watch like two or three movies a year. I saw The Martian it was great, but <laughs> I'm seeing it tonight. I'm excited about it. Oh, it's it's good. It's good. I'm good. Have you read the book? No, no, I'm just coming cold to it. Okay, well, once you watch the movie, then you're gonna want to read the book. So. Okay. Um, but but anyway, uh, I, you know I I've been I haven't one, been watching TV for three or four years. That's where my time comes from. Is yeah. <laughs> right. I, I still have time. I have time to work out, hit the gym, do all the stuff that I've been doing. It's because I'm not wasting three or four hours a night watching TV. Uh, yeah, like my wife and I. My wife likes to watch TV. I like to. Uh, I like to. But when I was in that phase of trying to figure out how I moved from my full time job to something else, I remember. Every night I was sitting on the couch and she's watching TV and I'm working on the laptop. So we were yeah. together in the same room, but I'm completely not plugged in. I'm like, I'm doing this and this is, and, and she would, sometimes it was frustrating, right? Sometimes right. you realize your spouse does give up something. And so having, painting them a picture that it's worth their, the investment, I think that's important too. But the excuse that you don't have enough time is, I don't think it's ever true. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. It's not like, like I'm saying, oh, you can't ever, you know, I like to play video games or I'm going to go play poker tonight. Right. Like, yeah. it's not like you can't ever do something that you enjoy, but you have to realize that it's a trade off, that there's a sacrifice. And when you're starting up, when you're working a full time job, right. And you're trying to do something on the side, you might have to make some hard sacrifices to get that time temporarily until you can you know, earn the time back. And if you, the biggest thing is I think with wasting time is also like, I always say time is, is never wasted if you do what you intend. Ooh. So if you go to, if you intend to watch TV because that's what you want to do, right? You're like, I want an hour of entertainment. I'm going to watch TV. Not wasted. You got an hour of entertainment. But if you just flip on the TV out of habit and you know you should be working on something else and you're just mindlessly, you, know, you didn't make the choice, right? It just happened. That's wasted time. So that's, yeah. that's the key is like, you know, when you sit down at the computer, what you intend to do? If you do what you intended, if it was to watch TV or watch YouTube videos, that's okay as long as it's what you intended. But if it's not what you intended, then you wasted the time. The intentional life, absolutely. So, so when you started working and taking, like you, you must at some point have said, I'm going to do my 40 hours. I'm going to honor my employee commitment, but the rest of the time is mine, right? Right. Did you, did, did you fear that your employer would notice like, oh, John's not in here on Saturdays. He's not giving his all or things like that. So I think I made that shift in mindset a while back, like like that I would just do not. I don't want to say the bare minimum because no. I always tried to be better than everyone else. You did, or at least you know, better than the lowest, right? Like I always tried to do a good job, the best job yeah, that I could do within the time limit. So, um, so I felt like as long as I was being valuable, that it, it, it wouldn't matter. And also because I was doing stuff on the side. 
I was increasing my skills, increasing my value. Uh, at some point, you know, it became, I'm not afraid. I mean, and there's two factors to this, I think. One of them is that you are so, you know, you have a blog, you have something, you've got skills that you're not afraid, you know you could get a job tomorrow, right? When you have that in your pocket, you feel confident. And also, when you got, uh, you know, when you got six grand in the bank or you got whatever it is, three months of salary in the bank, right? I think those two factors, if you get those two things, then you're you're not afraid of anything. Who cares if you get fired? Because you're going to get, you could get another job and you got money, right? It's when people, it's, uh, what what do they call it? when you're in a squeeze, you're in a squeeze if you are afraid because you can't get another job because you're afraid it might take you months right. or you're, you don't have enough money. Then you have to compromise integrity. You have to, you, you put in situations where you're, you're being penalized and I call that a, a squeeze. I think that's where I, I live in a small town in the in the desert of Oregon, and I think because of geography, my mindset was I was in a squeeze all the time. And I used even when I was making okay money, I always thought if this doesn't pan out, I'm going to have to pick my family up and move, and I don't want to do that. So I'd better knuckle down and just keep on keep on working and be the good employee. Um, so, and I had to work two, two, two and a half years of nights and weekends and early mornings where I didn't watch TV and I progressively started putting 20 or 30 hours a week into my side business, um, all while keeping the day job going. And I noticed this weird office space, like mind shift that happened after about six months of like, okay, I, I can do this other thing. Yeah. And I can be kind of successful. And I see that maybe where I'm at, isn't going to be where I'm going to be forever. And all of a sudden my time became my most valuable asset, even more valuable than money. And I started getting a little bit irritated with people at work when they would waste my time was kind of the first thing I noticed. Like before that, I was like, oh, you waste my time. It all pays the same. Time is like nothing. So I'll just sit in this meeting. I'll just do stupid things, whatever you want. But after a while, I became like, you know what? My time actually is meaningful. I could be doing something really important with it, like investing it in myself. So I think I'll push back professionally and gently when my time is looking like at work, it's going to be wasted. Yeah, yeah, that's another big shift, I think, in the mindset. I think you've got that right on, which is the, the understanding, the counting of time. I often tell developers to like start tracking their time before yeah. they ever think about going out on their own so they can realize just how much time they're wasting and, and that they're, how they're prioritizing their time. Because when you're getting paid a full-time job, you're clocking in and you're, you're not too concerned. You're there. Whether right. you chat all day about Star Wars or, or you know, actually do some real work, you get paid the same. It pays you know. the same. That's right. And you, you probably even feel better, right? Cause you're not as exhausted. Exactly. So, yeah. but as an, as an entrepreneur, you, you, you're not getting paid unless you've set something up, done the hard work ahead of time and you're getting paid, you know, uh, dividends from work that you've previously done. When you're not working, you're not getting paid. When you're watching a YouTube video, when you're having a chat with someone that, and that's not productive, you're not, you're not getting, you're getting zero. It's and you and you feel that. So you got. So you make the mindset shift first by yeah. by you know because because you can't. It's, it's not an offer on right. You can't just say okay. Well, when I'm at my regular job, I don't care about time. But when I'm on my own, then I do. No, you yeah. got to start with 
you know, it's got to be a whole, a whole person that you got to really yeah. shift your mindset. In, in I think it can't, I think it'll bleed over. And I know, yeah. like you said about the skills, the entrepreneur, I remember going to my boss and he would say, Oh, well, can you do this? And I would think, yeah, I just did that on the side. I made this for this client or because I was doing, you know, client work, which was like, I would go take on part-time contracts uh, for, to build websites for people. Um, kind of lame at the time, but hey, it's what I could do in the evenings and weekends, either on a fixed bid or an hourly basis that would help me to practice to do something to leave my job. At the time, honestly, I never thought I'd leave my job. I thought it was just a little side income, just a nice little cute thing, and it seemed kind of fun. Uh, and it sounds like that's kind of what you thought with your Android app is you didn't intend right up front to, to leave your job. You were just going to try and do this and kind of see what happened. Right, exactly. I'd be a lot more intentional now. I think you know. Oh, of course. Uh, I run. Uh, we have a I have a podcast, Entre Programmers, where you know four of us developer entrepreneurs discuss. You know, have our weekly mastermind live. You know, and, and record it. And uh, one of the guys there, Josh, he was he actually worked for the same employer that I did before I quit. Ah. And, uh, and you know, you know, my good advice for him was because he was planning on leaving the shop, and it's like mark the date on the calendar. And he had you're going to leave like plan on it. Yes. He had a, it was like, I think it was a year and some in a few weeks on the calendar. Right. And he had it marked and he wrote a little iPhone app or a countdown timer and every day it would tick down and he wrote his two weeks notice and he had that ready to send. Wow. And I was like, that will get you, you know, that's the way to do it because that, you know, from, from everything that I, that I've learned about it, that's, that's going to get you motivated. Then, then it's a reality and you know, you're working towards that and you have to get there. Uh, I, I think that's a good way to, to like, you know, to, to make this seem more real, to get you motivated, to make you do the things you need to do. Cause that day I, is coming. I love that. I, it's so true. You've got to make it seem real, even when it's not right? Yeah. It's not yet real. I remember I went to my boss about two and a half years before I quit. And I said, I'm going to start doing things on the side and I'm probably not going to be here forever. And that was a really scary discussion to right. have because what my employee sheep brain was afraid of was he would say, if you're not hundred percent loyal, get out of my office, you're fired. Right? Right. Of course, he didn't say that. No, no boss would say that if you're talking to a reasonably good worker. He said, oh, okay, well, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate the respect you've got not to hide anything. And, you know, I wish you luck and we'll see what happens. But just kind of, it was, again, it was a part of making it a, my real reality was putting out there my intention in a, in a more public way. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, that, that's when it starts to become real, right? It's like when, when you have actually, you know, it, it, it changes from a dream to a goal. I think that's, you know, you got to You got to do that when you write it down, when you say it, when you commit mm -hmm. to it, it, that's when it changes from that. And, and dreams are always are it, a, a part of the goal at the end of the rainbow is a dream. Right. You can't, you can keep going, but you're never going to, it's always just a little bit further out. Yeah. But, but a goal, a goal is, 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 is when you're running a, you know, a race and you see the finish line and yeah, it's far off in the distance, but every step you take, you're getting closer. You're going to reach that. And, and I think that's another mindset thing. You have to make that shift. Otherwise it's never going to happen. I, I think that's, that's great. Did, did you feel guilty for leaving 
your employer, you had a good job, you, they were nice people, maybe you enjoyed it, maybe they'd been good to you or they paid you well. Did you feel any sense of, st strong sense of loyalty towards them when you, that, that kind of almost made you feel guilty when that got, went away? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, part of the reason why I, why I stayed so long is probably because of that. If I honestly look back from a financial and security perspective, I was fine, but I felt so bad because I, I liked the people I was working with. Yeah. I liked the job. I was having a good time there and I just felt bad to abandon them and to not, you know, I don't know. You, you, you get that mindset of being, even with my mindset shift, I still felt like a company man to, to some degree. Right. Um, in fact, I stayed on, like I gave two weeks notice and they're like, oh, could you stay for four? And I did. <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> like, there's like, no reason why I should do that, but... Yeah, well, I, did, I mean, if that know. makes it easier, what's two weeks? You've been working two yeah. years, right? What's two more weeks? What What do you say to people? I, I felt a lot of guilt too. And it's only in realizing I, I almost overstayed my welcome. Yeah. Because I felt so bad about kind of taking the plunge. And it wasn't as much about risk and money as it was about like just feeling like, well, won't my friends think I'm a jerk? Won't the boss be disappointed? I mean, they've given me so much, right? Right. I just felt really bad about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely can echo that. Like, and, and you sort of wonder like, what does it really matter what this person, even if they hate you, what they're not, but what does it matter what their opinion of you is? You're not even gonna be dealing business with them again or probably even interacting with them ever again in your life, maybe, right. you know? Um, I think that's, you know, the, the other thing about that too is, is you have to realize like it helps me to, to, it helped me a lot to think about the flip side. This is business, right? Yeah. Businesses exist to make money. I, yeah, we have friends. Yeah, we have a good time. That's, that's secondary. Yeah. And whatever company you're working for, I don't care, you know, who, who they are. If the numbers, if they can't make payroll, someone's going to get cut. Like you're they, out. They might be your best friend. Right. But they're going to put their their turkey on the dinner table before yours because that's how this works. Exactly. Yeah. Right? They're going to get fed before you get fed and the owner is going to protect himself. And, and so you're right. That's just business and it's not being a jerk. Yeah. I remember I even have worked in places that were terrible places to work where all the employees felt like they were suffering and that suffering like built such a camaraderie yeah. <laughs> that then anybody was afraid to leave like oh you're leaving this horrible place well fine just abandon and you use the word abandon just abandon us then and right i was afraid they'd hate me and i think i had to like change my loyalties i, I had to become more loyal to what i wanted and to what my family needed than to what my employer wanted and that was, I felt really selfish at the time doing that. Right. And I think, you know, I think the shift, the way I would describe the shift is it's a shift from loyalty to person or, or even identity, right? Your own identity to principles, right? My loyalties are in principles. I know how I want to work and how I want to live my life and what things, and they're all based on principles, which never change. Right. Whereas your identity from one phase of your life to another changes. And if you're loyal to that identity, you get stuck. You get, oh. that's getting stuck in a rut. So you, you gotta, yep. you know, you gotta pick the thing. I think actually, you know, a good, uh, I, I'm just remembering this now. It's not totally original, my idea, but um, uh, Stephen Covey, uh, Seven Habits uh -huh. of 
highly effective people, yep. he talks about like dysfunction, centeredness. That's, this is how he describes it. And he says that like certain people are centered on their spouses, they're centered on their friends, they're centered, and it affects their decision. And he comes down to say, you know, spoiler for the book, but uh, you know, the, the proper centeredness is principles because that's unchanging. I was certainly centered on my work. I really worked for a company where lots of people around me had been there 25 years and I thought I was going to be one of them. Yeah. I thought I was dropped in this amazing company where I was like, I'm going to get to be a lifer, you know, just like my dad was a lifer at his company. And, and so I completely embraced the idea of just not just casually company man, but like I was all in to be the company man. Um, it was a really hard, hard shift to make and, I guess I, as I look back on it, I would encourage if people are sitting there listening to this feeling like, man, I would feel like a jerk if I left. Think about that idea that it, the truth of the relationship is they pay you to perform work for a certain amount of time per week. Right. Like that is the core. To, so one of my principles has become to try and look for the truth in things, not just paint them like I want them to be. So if you want them to, if you want to imagine that your employer would be loyal to you if they couldn't, even if they couldn't afford to pay you, that's not the truth of the relationship. The truth of the relationship is it's a business deal. Exactly. Another truth, another one. I love, I love this, this, uh, this line of thinking is people think if I leave, there everything is going to fall apart. That no is a fear, can, right? No one can do what I'm doing. The truth. Oh, 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 right, right. I'm right. indispensable. Yeah. yeah. The truth of the situation is the company will hire someone else and they'll figure it out. Yes, I know you've been maintaining that VB6 app that no one else knows how to maintain, but they'll figure it out. Like you're not, you're not leaving them crippled. Like life will go on. Like we, we yeah. sort of, when you look at the truth of it, that never have I ever seen. I mean, have you ever seen, have you ever been in a company where someone left and everything just fell apart because that was that guy, no one else could do maintain this app or do this thing. It no, maybe no. rarely it happens, but no. And, and the, the core part of that lie is, is that wanting to feel, I think is wanting to feel so important. Yes. Right? You, you, it's, it's almost arrogance, right? If I leave, who will do this thing? that no one else can appear, no one else who's here could possibly do, right? And, and yet the reality is, is the truth is it's not your problem. It's not your job. It's actually your manager's job to make sure that every system has somebody who can maintain it, right? That's not your job as the maintainer to be shackled to it for the rest of your life. Exactly, right, yeah. And it is, it's that's important, that feeling of importance. And the, the other thing to think about too is the, the mind shift the, the mindset shift once you have left, you won't care about these concerns anymore because <laughs> you yeah. won't be working for that company. It's like my wife asked me last night, she's like, do you want to be cremated or buried? <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> uh, my wife has asked me that too. And At I that say, point, it won't be my concern anymore. <laughs> exactly. I say, what would you be more comfortable with? Because you will be concerned with it and right. I will be gone. Exactly. Yep. So, exactly. You just have to fast forward in your mind and say, okay, if I quit my job two weeks from now, will I even care about if I answered this email or if I did this thing or if this system that I used to maintain is functioning? It doesn't matter to you. I mean, right. you don't want to like, you know, I don't mean to be like heartless, but it really won't matter to you. <laughs> and the honest, the truth is your employer will find someone else. 
the yeah. there's a lot of people who want to do your job. That's just the truth of it. They're not ready to take the plunge. They want to have whatever VB6 application. That's what they love is those VB6 applications. Make space for them, you know? Get out of the way and go do something you want to do without worry. So let's let's talk a little bit about baby steps, like because I think this uh, is one. Yes. Right, everyone's like, I think there's this hard, like, how do you actually get there? Because this is something I, I I never had any idea. Now I could probably you know definitely coach someone on how to sure. become an entrepreneur. But when you're when you're working for someone else and then you're like, I want to eventually be independent or on my own. How do you you know what what in your experience have you seen is like some baby steps that people could take to get them on this road where they know that the path will, will, will take them there. I think a lot of people, they don't know where to start. So they don't do anything. Yeah, that's true. Um, for me, for me, what I did is I took on side work and I called it at the time. Yep. I took on side work because it did a couple of things. One, it showed me that I could go get other work, even in the middle of my little town where nobody lives, right? That there was other kinds of work I could do. And by side work, this was like software development projects just by the hour for people who I had met who needed some work done, right? Yep. So it was oftentimes there weren't really... Um, tight timeframes, right? And they, I could sort of work at my own pace. They were just happy to have somebody. And I didn't worry that much about how much I earned. Like I didn't set the hourly rate super high. I made, I tried to disconnect the work from the money at the beginning because what I wanted to do was see, could I go out and get work as an independent person versus my only choice that I'd always chosen was to work for somebody else. Right. That makes perfect sense. And I think that's one of the things that I'll point out that you said there was you divorced the idea of the money from the work, which is, is I think, so important because people sometimes think, oh, I need so much money to live. I'm making or they get the golden handcuffs. They're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm making $100,000 a year as a software, a senior software engineer. How could I ever I need to make that much money and and the answer is no, you don't. Right. <laughs> First, First of all, you don't need that much. You, you might have to make forty or fifty thousand dollars a year as, as an entrepreneur starting out. Right. And second of all, uh, you, you can't be thinking about that from the beginning because you're not. It's too much pressure on yourself to say I need to make four or five thousand dollars a month. Oh yeah. Side pro you, you start off and you you, you celebrate the win. I remember the first day I sold something for $5 on the internet. I was like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> exactly. I'll never forget when a client I sat down with, I pitched a whole website for $1,500. They wrote me a check for $750 on the spot. I will yeah. never forget the feeling of having someone else pay me to do something. And it was like this light bulb, like, oh, holy cow. I've been so afraid that, of telling myself that I could actually do this. But I think it's real. The, the other thing, though, it did, John, for me, is I needed the pressure of an obligation. Yeah. I needed to set myself up in a position where there was something on the line. Right then it was $750, not a lot of money, but my word and my honor and my you know, ethics to deliver something, that's what was on the line. Exactly. And when I did that, that's when I would start. I noticed I'll get up at four in the morning to make good on that promise. I'll stay up till midnight. And yeah, I put like 300 hours into this $1,500 website. So you can do the math about how much I was making right. per hour there, right? 
Yeah. But once I had done it and I finished it, I was like, I wonder if I, you know, okay, I did it once. Let's go do that again. Let's do it again after that. And they were little jobs, but what they did is they got me in that habit to show me I could do it. And, and I really did track my time. That, I think that's a very key part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and doing those little steps, I think is, is, you know, when, when you do that, then you, you start to realize, yes, this is possible. Yes, I can do this. And, and then it's not this huge overwhelming task. I think, and this is baby steps, right? A lot of developers today, there's this whole like, you know, Facebook and there's even some television program about startups and Silicon Valley, or maybe I think that's what it's called, but yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I haven't either. You don't watch much TV. No, I've never, no, so, <laughs> I'm too cheap to pay for Showtime or whatever. But um, but there's this whole glamorous, like even Y Combinator, right? And, oh, and startup yes. accelerators and stuff. And it's like, oh, I'm going to create this startup and I'm going to become rich and you know all this. And don't start there. Don't you, start there. Don't go make a workbook you- for five dollars and sell it. You know, if you're if you're trying to do a product thing, or could you just consult for you know, or, or do some small can project? You, can you do something for thirty bucks an hour? I realize right. that's peanuts, right? Yeah, it's peanuts. People would be stupid not to pay you thirty bucks an hour, right? You're not going to stay there, and that's the important thing is to know that where you start isn't right. where you're going to end. You probably could have never predicted being where you're at now five years ago. No, oh no. No, No, I couldn't either. Right. And even when my company shut down, so I started my own company, we had 11 people. It was great. Blah, blah, blah. Shut down 18 months ago. What's the next thing I did? I started giving away coaching services completely for free, divorced of money to see if it was a valuable thing that I could do. Right. All of a sudden I'm doing 22 hours a week of regularly scheduled free coaching work. And I was like, oh, maybe there's a business here, but I had to actually kind of reset my brain start over for free again, you know, we're very cheap, separating money and effort again. Exactly. Yeah. So many people spend so much time and you got to see if it works, right? It's like, and you got to get experience. You're going to fail. You have to learn how to, I didn't know anything about copywriting or marketing and stuff. And so, I mean, if my first entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial effort was some software application that I spent a year and a half building, and then I try and launch this thing and no one buys it and I've quit my job, I'm screwed. But if it's a, if it's a $3 Android app, right. And I've gotten felt what it's like to make some money off the internet, or if it's a blog and selling a a small thing on there, then you take on, you take do a a bigger challenge. You know, the same thing. If you're doing the freelancing route, you, you, you do one client for, like you said, maybe 30 bucks an hour. And then, Hey, now you grab someone for 60 bucks an hour. That's right. Every time you sign a new client, right. I would just increase the rate by like 10 to 20%. You just kind of walk up. The thing I found, especially when it comes to service work, was imagine I agreed to do this website of $1,500 for for 300 hours. No one would do that. No sane person, right? right? You'd never know, knowingly take that on. And that means, and if I just quit my job and said, this is what I'm going to do, after about 20 hours, I would have been back knocking on my client's door saying, I need more money. And they'd say, well, you told me it wasn't, well, I I can't honor my estimate. I can't honor the word I gave you. I need something more. And what I realized was when you're small and you have the full-time job, it's the perfect time to make all the mistakes. It's the perfect time to be completely ethical without any other constraint because you might imagine having 11 people and doing $120,000 a month in payroll, 
when things go sideways, you can get a little nervous and all of a sudden ethics get blurry, right? Like, oh, should I charge that client more? Do I need to go ask for more money? Um, does, I don't know if that makes any sense, but if you oh, yeah. get your practices down while you're small and you can afford to make the mistakes, uh, that's the time to do it. Yeah, again, it, it comes down to that squeeze, right? If you're right. in a squeeze, if you don't have a job and you got to pay for rent and stuff, I'm not going to yeah. judge you when you make some some less than moral decisions, you know? I mean, there's a gray line there. Right. You're having to make them because you're in a squeeze. So don't yeah. be in the squeeze. That's yeah. where you feel bad and you make bad decisions. And you make decisions that hurt you long-term instead of making decisions that help you long-term. And that's, that's a real danger of the squeeze. Is like going to those payday loan places, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, talk, okay. So, but you told me earlier, you're playing poker tonight, right? Yeah. And what was the phrase you used when you play poker that ah. you kind of gave the analogy to when you were in a company and you're always worried you're going to lose your job. So you're always kind of like, kind of hypersensitive about it. Scared money, right? Scared so money. That's what when you're was. playing above your limit, when you're afraid, when you can't push it all in and, and it, it, it makes you afraid, you play scared. You have scared money at the table. You can't play optimally. You can't perform optimally. It's the same thing in work. If you are afraid that you're going to lose your job, if you're afraid that you're not going to, you know, that, that you have to get this client or you have to do this thing, you're not going to, you're, you're not going to project confidence. You're not going to make the, you're going to, play scared. You're going to make the, you know, in, in poker, you might fold too often when you could pull off a bluff when you, because that's strategically, I'd say that's the right move to make. You're going to make the bad moves and you, because you're not going to have the confidence. And that's, I mean, that's true in so many areas of life. Man, I had that scared money attitude for so long. Even if I, when I wasn't afraid I was going to lose my job, I was afraid I wouldn't get the promotion. I was afraid I wouldn't move up as quickly as I wanted to or get where I wanted to go in the company. And that really pressured me, squeezed me into being a yes man, into agreeing to timeframes that were, or things that were completely unreasonable, into keeping my mouth shut became the safe move, right? Rather, yeah. than, rather than being aggressive and playing well. And it's, I just love that movie office space. Cause it's such oh, yeah. a picture of a guy who goes from scared money to like, he has this brain thing happen, right? Exactly. And sudden, you're right. He's not scared of anything and he's showing up late and blowing up. No, I'm not saying we should all do this, but of course the consultants look at him and say, you're a, what, what do they say? You're a top uh, straight shooter with upper management written all over you. Yeah. And he gets a promotion and, uh, I, I actually think if people did these things, that's when I got promoted the fastest. I went from like three or four levels down from the VP. Four months later, I was working for the VP because I just wasn't scared money anymore and yeah. people could see it. And all of a sudden, it's like you enter into this club of people who aren't scared and those are usually the people running the company. Exactly, exactly. Because anyone who, who, runs, who runs a business, right, as an entrepreneurial uh, mindset, knows that it's all about risk taking right and a good worker potentially like to just get some work done as someone who doesn't take risks just do the job right but a good leader is yeah. someone who's willing to take calculated risk and that's why those people even though you're like man how did this idiot get promoted he doesn't have any of the technical skills he doesn't know any of this stuff 
it's because he's, he's a he's a calculated risk taker, not a total reckless, but not afraid to to take the moves to be bold. Uh, because in entrepreneurship, you have to be bold. You have to be. You realize that you know sometimes you work on a thing for three months and you might get paid zero, or you might make a hundred thousand dollars. And you, if you can't make that choice, you, you know you're you're all you you're never going to be able to be able to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. So, so start, if, if people are listening, start small, right? Yep. Take on one contract, think about one little info product, start writing. I think John, you're right on the money. Getting comfortable writing and blogging is, is a huge way to look to, and you don't know what's going to happen. Like you literally think, you know that, Oh, here's my plan to get to the goal. You should do that. Follow that plan. My, my, uh, belief is that that plan will almost never happen exactly as you think. And that's good because we typically don't dream big enough and we think too small. Yep. And I never would have imagined I could have lived the last seven years not being an employee. I just never would have imagined that I was doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good points. Good summary. <laughs> yeah. So start small, but start, right? Yes. Do something, put yourself under some, at least for me, I needed the obligation of a contract of saying, I will deliver this to you. And then I did it. And that to me really lit me up and got me up at four in the morning. So. And I'll add one more point to it, which is trust the process, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember learning the juggle seemed impossible. Throw three balls up in the air. Nothing happens. Uh, but if you know that other people have learned to juggle, then, then what you realize is that if you try this 1,000 times, you have a 99% success rate, even though it seems like you're not making any progress. So if you just trust the process, just say, hey, other people have become entrepreneurs, other people have quit their jobs, other people have done this. If I start small and I keep making steps, even if I don't feel like I'm learning anything, even if I don't feel like I'm making progress, even if I feel like things aren't working out, in a year, I will have made progress in two years. It might take some time, but you, if you're on the path, even if you're taking baby steps, you will go the direction you're trying to get. Your, your brain is smarter than you. <laughs> it, That's right. We're built to do this. Human beings learn things whether they want to or not. You will learn. And the two, I remember last time we chatted, you said there were two things that you always encourage people to do. Two mindsets, perseverance, and, and uh, consistency. Consistency, right? As, was that it? Did I get it right? That's, that's exactly right. You got yep, a good, and I've remembered memory. that. Yep, because I, I'm trying to write a book right now, and I'm like, okay, I just got to keep remembering. Just keep working on it. Yep. Don't stop. If I give up, that's failure. But I can, I can sit in front of the keyboard and not write as long as I'm doing my committed amount of time per day towards that intentionally. So... Awesome. So um, we should probably wrap up here, but I yep, do want to, uh, you know, you've taken the time to, uh, to talk to my audience. So I want to give you uh, a few minutes to just uh, talk about where people can find you on the web, what you're doing and uh, yeah. And anything else sure. that you want to talk about or promote. Yeah, you can find me at marcusblankenship.com. Uh, the, if you go to slash list on my homepage, you'll, you can join my mailing list where I write about uh, leadership kinds of things, especially leading software uh, development teams, especially for people who my book is actually going to be focused on people who have, who are thinking about making the jump from developer to manager. Uh, I also coach people in the area of, of owning their own company, of making the leap. I would just love if you want to email me at Marcus at MarcusBlankenship.com. I'd love to hear your story of how you did it or what you're most afraid of about making the leap to entrepreneurship because I'll leave you with this. Like if, if you're standing on the shore and John or I, and, 
and John and I are in the water, we can tell you, you should come on in because the water's fine, right? right. Awesome. All right, Marcus, thanks a lot. This has been a pretty fun thanks, conversation. John. All right, take care. All right. Take care. Bye.